athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. The Cavaliers lead the Eastern Conference Finals two games to none over Toronto. Game three going to be played in Toronto on Saturday. We're split one game apiece with the Western Conference Finals between Golden State and OKC. Going to talk a little Major League Baseball today on the program as well. Welcome to another edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Also today, we're bringing back our HBCU Legends series here on the program. And I tell you what, our Legends series, we started the Legends series a couple of years ago. And we have had some dynamite guests. Everyone from Earl the Pearl Monroe to Larry Little, George Williams, Bill Hayes, John Chaney, Bobby Dandridge. Um, Boy, the list goes on and on. I I know I'm forgetting some. Um, On today's program, we're going to be joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer, Lem Barney. Lem Barney going to join us today here on the program. Played his collegiate football at Jackson State. And I want to get in, a couple of things I want to ask him, but I want to get into this story about the fact that the late, great Marvin Gaye had a tryout with the Detroit Lions. For those that didn't know this, you can Google this if you want. I'm going to let Lem Barney um, tell you the story about that and how he uh, met and then befriended uh, Marvin Gaye. Uh, so we're going to talk again with Lem Barney today here on the program. As I mentioned, uh, OKC uh, falls to Golden State. They got crushed by by Golden State, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday. And I think one of the good things is, and you know, you know, I, you know, I've always wondered how these scheduling things happen with these playoffs. I mean, because the bottom line is OKC and Golden State played Wednesday. They won't play a game until Sunday. Meanwhile, Cleveland and Toronto are playing, you know, they're playing every other day. And, and you know, maybe some of it has to do with the time difference. I don't know, West Coast time and, and Central time, which, of course, there's a two-hour difference there. I, I don't know if that has something to do with it. Maybe you know, the the arena at, at OKC was booked for something else. I don't know. Um, but it's going to give, obviously, OKC some time to kind of uh, regroup. And so going to talk about both of those series today here on the program. And, boy, Steph Curry, MVP um, personified with his performance. I mean, he had, what, 15 straight points in the third quarter, and, and it allowed for Golden State to take – control of the game if you guys hadn't had a chance to see the fight the brawl that took place this was a real brawl that took place earlier in the week 
Uh, it involved Ruffined Odor, second baseman for the Texas Rangers. It also involved star player Jose Bautista of the Toronto Blue Jays. And boy, Ruffined Odor clocked Jose Bautista. I mean, I mean, just square. They squared up, and it looked like Bautista was going to try to throw a punch after Odor had pushed him, and Odor just came and clocked him. And so Odor gets an eight-game suspension. Uh, Bautista, a one-game suspension. Other players, managers were fined as well. And this this goes back actually to something that happened on last year where uh, Jose Bautista hit a – this was in the postseason. He hit a big home run. He flipped the bat, and that's just something you don't do in baseball. And, you know, I, I want to I get into this thing because, you know, we have all of these – rules and 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 even more specifically unwritten rules things you just aren't supposed to do when it comes to baseball and and I can understand you know when you when Bryce Harper and everybody made a big deal about Bryce Harper saying make baseball fun again I you know you know or make baseball fun I, you know I mean I can understand where he's coming from is all these old school and different rules and you got a new generation of baseball players kind of coming in but even some of the suspensions like, for instance, um, you can have like an Odor. He's going to appeal his eight-game suspension, and while his eight-game suspension is being appealed, he can still play. You have other guys. You got a, one other guy that got a, a one-game suspension, but then he is going to choose to sit out that suspension on Tuesday. So I think baseball has got to tighten up on uh, if they're going to have rules, have your rules. Um, and again, some of them are unwritten. You had the, the whole situation where uh, it, this is this is an interesting dynamic, and I want to really get into it today on the program. Your participation here on from the press box to press row always warranted. Hit us up via Twitter at Botch to Row B O X T O R O W or on Facebook B O X the number two R O W or email me here at the show HBCU at Botch to Row dot com. Thank you to all of those listening to us on all outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, those listening to us on Sirius XM channel 142, and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Let's talk some Major League Baseball in the game. Um, boy, I, I tell you what, Ruffin' O'Dor landed a punch square on Jose Bautista. And even Jose Bautista, after the game, had to say, yeah, he got me. He, he It's no question... He got me. The whole dynamic of this, again, it goes back to last year's postseason when Jose Bautista hit a monstrous home run, a big home run, and he flipped the bat. So, um, obviously, the Rangers didn't ha- didn't forget. And, and a lot of times what happens in baseball when you sort of show up players or show up a team, those teams don't forget that. They may throw behind you. They may come in. You know, with a with a with a a slide to try to take you out if you're playing one of the bases, and so and 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 what's interesting is this is the last game, and it's you know we're we're not even are we even a quarter of the way through the season? Maybe maybe about a quarter of the way through the season. But the interesting thing is all of this comes up. This is the the last game that these two teams will play against each other this year. So let's let me set the table. Um. Uh, Jose Bautista uh, gets thrown at. 
Uh, he walks down the first base. He is not happy about it at all. At that time, the umpire warns both teams. And you got to wonder why this is taking place in the last game. So next up, the and I don't remember exactly who it was, but the Blue Jays hitter hits the ball. He hits it down to, uh, I think it was third, maybe third or shortstop. I can't remember. It was on the left side. And that Rangers player throws the ball to Odor. And meanwhile, here comes Bautista coming down. Now, you know they have this new rule where you can't interfere. You can't, back in the day, you could take out the second baseman or the shortstop. If you were the runner coming from first to second, you could just wipe him out of there. You can't do that anymore. They put implemented rules where you can't do that because of fear of injury. Okay, I get that. But Bautista comes in, hard slide. I mean, I think it's open. You can argue whether uh, it was a hard slide or whether he was trying to take Ordur out. I think he was trying to take him out because of what happened to him in terms of getting hit with the pitch. Well, Odor took exception to that. And as a matter of fact, if you look at the replay, if you Google this, if you look at the replay, it seemed, and, and, and you could look, it, 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 the way I was looking at it, it looked almost like Odor was trying to, th- as he was jumping over to avoid the contact from Bautista, it looked like he was trying to throw the ball at Bautista's head. That's what it looked like to me. You could argue maybe the slide forced him to throw it that way. The ball goes awry of first base. Well, these two, uh, Bautista jumps up, sort of like he's going to approach Odor. Odor then pushes Bautista. Bautista squares up as if he's going to throw a punch at Odor. And before he can do that, Odor just bam, he hits him right in the jaw. And it, it almost looked like a boxer to some degree when he gets, you know, he takes a flush shot. He, you know, he he, he wobbled a little bit. And then that's when the benches cleared and uh, it just became mayhem. Um, so out of that, I was, I mean, it was a good shot. You know, I mean, I, I don't, you know, and, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can expect that something, you know, we don't. I guess the beauty of it is we don't see a lot of fights in baseball a lot of times. So that, I, I guess that's sort of the beauty of this thing. And so from that, Odor gets an eight-game suspension. Meanwhile, Bautista gets a one-game suspension. You know, listen, after I saw the replay, I did realize that Odor pushed Bautista first. However, Bautista squared up like he was going to hit him. I mean, either you're going to hit somebody or you're going to get hit. And Odor said, I'm not going to get hit. I'm going to hit this guy before he hits me. And, boy, he got an eight-game suspension behind that. I don't know. I think I, I think that – I mean, I understand why because he because of, because of he clocked him. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not with the eight-game suspension for Odor. I'm up against the break. I'm going to come back and talk more about this as well as some NBA and still to come, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Lem Barney. Hey, what's going on? This is Melanie Fiona, and I know you are tuned in to check out the latest and greatest in sports. And you're checking me out right here on so From the Press Box to Press Row. The moment you left me, I want up my life. Try. 
Whoa, my man knows how to put the ball in the hoop. Did you see that? He's a stud driving to the basket or putting it in from long range. Yeah, I saw it. So he's a stud, the man. We're all impressed. Bob, what's with you, man? You seem depressed. Out of it. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm just down. Well, boys, talk to me, man. What's bothering you? Home is bothering me. Brenda and I haven't hugged, kissed, or made love in weeks because I can't get an erection. We've been boys a long time. I'm going to share something with you. I had that same problem until a month ago. Then I heard about Alpha RX Plus and things changed big time. It brought happiness back into my bedroom, trust and respect from Felicia. How can I try this Alpha Lust? <laughs> it's Alpha RX Plus, and you can learn more at alphaRxplus.com. It's affordable, all natural, no side effects, comes with a money back guarantee. www.alphaRxplus.com or 800-860-1938. Alpha RX Plus. The following is a message from the Bud Light Party. This Memorial Day, America will be using 82 metric tons of sunscreen. And around 2 p.m., Uncle Dave's going to ask you to help him reapply. So make sure you're holding on to an ice-cold Bud Light. Because holding on to a beer might be the only thing saving you from a palm full of back hairs. This message approved by the Bud Light Party. Raise one to right now. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer, AB, St. Louis, Missouri. Kofi cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.koficards.com. That's www.koficards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi Cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi Cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. GMX, a redistribution company. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Segment of From the Press Box to Press Row is brought to you by Alpha RX Plus. All natural Alpha RX Plus has a 96% success rate in ending erectile dysfunction. You've tried the rest, now try the best. Go to alphaRxplus.com and get 10% off at checkout. Enter Box to Row, B O X, the number two, R O W. Once again, a 96% success rate in ending erectile dysfunction. Go to alphaRxplus.com. Box to row customers get a special 10% discount at checkout. All you have to do is log on to alphaRxplus.com and type in box to row, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Tour as our HBCU Legends series continues. Pro Football Hall of Famer, Lem Barney. On the other side, I was talking about Ruffin Odor in his eight-game suspension, the second baseman for the Texas Rangers. And suffice it to say, there was some retaliation even after the brawl as 
the rain the um Blue Jays decided that they had to get the Rangers back again. This is the last game of the season. Um well, the last game between these two teams for the season as Jesse Chavez got a three-game suspension he intentionally threw at Prince Fielder who just kind of smiled and walked on down to uh to first base although the um benches did empty again but there was no no type of uh, brawl or anything like that. Um, boy, I, I, you know, obviously once, if these two teams make it to postseason again, I think this is the last we're going to see of this because, again, this was the last game between the two teams for the season. Um, and I was speaking about Odor and his eight-game suspension. You know, I'm thinking, I mean, eight games is – you know, it's a lot of games. It's, it, it's He's suspended eight games without pay. Now, again, he can go ahead and appeal the suspension, which he is currently doing. I think the problem I have is that Odor got eight games, yet Bautista only got one game. And, and yes, I understand. I mean, this is the deal. You know, it's one of those deals where the, the person that throws the first punch is culpable although a lot of times we see the person that throws um the second punch is is the one that gets uh that that gets in the biggest trouble but we had we saw clearly um that Odor not only did he throw the first punch he threw he pushed Bautista so he pushed him first but I mean the bottom line is I mean he was approached I think Odor was approached he was approached by Bautista who wasn't happy now you know, I, I, I think that one of the things that's being missed in all of this is that Odor possibly threw at Bautista. When Bautista was coming in, feet first on the slide, trying to take Odor out, you know, again, you could say that the ball, Odor's ball was errant to first base because of the slide. You know, it looked to me like he was trying to throw meaning Odor, right where Bautista was sliding. And, I mean, we, we can argue that, you know, I, but I think that sort of needs to be pointed out. But in the aftermath of that, because, again, we got a new rule that's put in place where you your intent has to be to slide into the base. And unlike in the past, you can't go and take the second baseman or the shortstop out of there. I you know, I, and I understand why they implemented the rule um, to to protect a lot of these second basemen and first basemen who are who who sometimes these guys come in. And, and again, it's, it's it had been part of the game for since baseball, since the inception of baseball, it had been part of the game. You're trying to protect these guys. Um, I think the guys, for the most part, do a good job of protecting themselves. You either step out of the way, most of the guys jump and throw the ball, and they got the arms to get it down there, especially. You know, Little League, maybe not as much, but obviously Major League Baseball, they got the arm to get it down there. So they've done a good job of adapting to that over the years. So, I mean, but whatever. Major League Baseball decided to implement the rule. The rule is the rule, and we'll we'll leave it at that. But with Bautista getting up and approaching Odor, what, what's Odor supposed to do in that moment? I mean, we don't – he doesn't know – you know, and I don't think it was a cheap shot. I don't think it was a. It wasn't like he snuck him from the back, or you know, the guys were standing, 
toe to toe for you know four or five seconds, then all of a sudden a punch came. I mean, oh, to me, Odor reacted in. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think self defense is the right term, but he, you know, he wasn't going to get hit first. That's the bottom line. He wasn't going to be the one to wait for Bautista to hit him. Bautista's still mad uh, from getting hit by the pitch. Um, you know, still obviously a lot of bad blood between the two teams from last year when Bautista flipped. I, you know, and, and, and you know, we, we can argue that did he did he flip the bat to show up Texas? Was it more a situation where he was just you know one of those deals where yes, I got this done, and he throws the bat either way. Um, that he did it. He 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 flipped or threw the bat in a in what the Rangers perceived as a disrespectful manner. But they sent a message with the eight games. Again, the problem I have is this. You suspend Odor for eight games, yet Bautista only gets one game. I mean, you know, and, okay, so, and, and this is the thing. I'm looking at all of, and as a matter of fact, there's a listing of all of the all of the fines and suspensions. So Odor gets eight games, eight-game suspension, and a fine for fighting. Um, and then let me look down here because I want to see exactly. Okay, so, uh, Jose Bautista got one game, a one game suspension, a fine, on field actions, and post game comments. So, I mean, it wasn't a fight. I mean, you said Odor got a fine for fighting. It wasn't a fight between, at least between Odor and Bautista. It was a punch. Not a fight. A fight requires two guys going head-to-head with punches being thrown. This wasn't a fight between, and I mean between Odin and some of the other ruckus between, uh, you know, with some of the other players and so forth with the tussling may have happened. But I'm talking specifically Odor and Bautista here. This was not a fight. And Odor got an eight-game suspension for fighting. Bautista, one-game suspension, on-field actions, post-game comments. Well, you know, again, if you approach a guy, I mean, I I think that, you know, at at the minimum, I believe Bautista at the minimum should have gotten three or four games just because if you're saying that this was a fight and it clearly wasn't a fight, it was a uh, between Bautista and Odor, it was a punch that Odor, Odor threw. It takes two. It takes two to tango. And, again, Bautista, essentially you're saying Bautista got hit, so you're 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 not going to, you know, maybe he his punishment, part of his punishment was that he got clocked. I mean, listen, I think that Bautista should have gotten at least three or four games because of his participation, and I'll talk more about it, uh, try to get to it a little bit later on in the program. Our HBCU Legends series continues here on From the Press Box to Press Row, and we're joined by a Pro Football Hall of Famer. As a matter of fact, played 11 seasons, all with the Detroit Lions, had 56 career interceptions, played his collegiate ball at Jackson State. He's Lim Barney, and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Lim, welcome to the program. Thank you so very much. It's good to hear from you and uh, keep the uh, HBC alive. Absolutely. That is, you know, that is that is what we like to do here. And uh, just want to kind of get what have you kind of been up to these days? You're, you're still in the ministry, correct? 
still in the ministry. Uh, I'm an associate pastor. Uh, got my theology degree about nine years ago at Malone Theological School, ironically, in the same city as Canton, Ohio's Hall of Fame. So I've got a lot down there in Canton, Ohio. But uh, <laughs> being in the ministry, uh, it's been a joy for me. Uh, church in Lim and Burdell, my mom and dad's household, was not an option on Sunday morning. Dad said, if you sleep in my house on Saturday night, your butt's going to church Sunday morning. So it's been a joy for me being involved in church. No, no question about it. I mean, obviously, being led to the ministry is a calling. However, what, what you know, was there something specific that happened that led you to the ministry? Well, you know, uh, been been a, a disciplined junior uh, after my dad, Lim Sr., I'm Lim Jr., going to church with him, seeing him doing the things he did. Both my mom and dad, they weren't cooks, they weren't chefs, they were culinary scientists. And uh, the first thing that they would do is at night after prayer, read the Bible. The first thing on Sunday is get ready for church. So church was a part of my life. And uh, as I continued to grow from middle school, then going to high school, that was Vesper Hour uh, in school that I went to. From there, going to college, it was Vesper Hour again. And then getting to Detroit Lions in 1967, I started uh, going to churches and then got involved in a church, Spring Hill, Spring Hill Missionary Baptist Church, where I was ordained in the ministry after four years of going there, and uh, the rest of it's history. I love it. Yeah, no question about it. Speaking of 1967, let, let me take you back to your rookie year. You were, of course, the league's uh, rookie of the year. Ten interceptions on that season, three returned for touchdowns. What do you remember most? Of course, a second-round draft pick out of Jackson State. What do you remember most about that season specifically with the Lions? Well, uh, a joy for me, uh, uh, a gentleman uh, who's going on to glory now, who was uh, offensive rookie of the year the same year with me in 67. He was drafted number one out of UCLA was Mel Farr. And uh, ironically, M-E-L forward is L-E-M backward. So we had a lot in common (laughs) and uh, encouraged each other. We were roommates for, he played for like nine years, and uh, we were roommates for nine years. But it it, it was a joy playing with the Detroit Lions, Alex Karras, Joe Schmidt as a head coach. I watched the Detroit Lions. I'm sure the country did. On Thanksgiving, they always played the Green Bay Packers, who were a divisional challenge all the time. And the great Bart Starr, quarterback, who was an icon for me. I went to Jackson State on a quarterback scholarship, and I had a lot of uh, a lot of interest in watching Bart because of his style of playing. And the great late coach Vince Lombardi was the head coach for the Packers. So it was a joy, uh, and, and, and I still have a fondness for football. Lem, hold the line for me one second. I'm up against the break. More with Pro Football Hall of Famer Lem Barney after this small pause for the cause. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That the voice of Ronda Rousey. It was something that I specifically asked for, not just because I wanted to fight for the Brazilian people, also that I really can't stand this chick, and I would rather beat her in her home country on her own turf so that she knew that she lost with every single possible advantage she could have. That's the voice of Michael Strahan talking with us about his college playing days at Texas Southern. 
You know, a lot of guys were probably out there partying and in some cases chasing behind the girls. I was working out because I didn't see Texas Southern as being like my stop. That was part of my journey until where I wanted to go. Kevin Hart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Now, are you going to return to New Orleans for the NBA Celebrity Game to defend your MVP crown? Of course I am, man. I'm trying to three-peat. Right now, <laughs> it's two-time Celebrity All-Star Game MVP. If I can get a three, a three-peat, I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I will have done what no man can do. Adrian Peterson. We're strong enough. He built us to be strong enough to do that. That's powerful. It is. Like, that's powerful. That's how easy we put things in perspective and know that, hey, you know, tough times don't come. But if you trust in God, believe in God, he's going to get you through it. Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, you know, there was an article that came out with the headline stating NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. To me, it's absurd because before USA Basketball, Coach K was on the map and winning national championships. However, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't think you have to respond to it because something that comes way out of left field, it's apparent that we don't need USA Basketball to help our program. I've won three national championships before being the USA coach and went to numerous Final Fours and had number one recruiting classes. I think the response from everybody has been, you know, come on. That the voice, of course, of T.I. and some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. And that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now. Well, like <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man. We gotta we gotta hold it down so we can so we can get it back right again. <laughs> we're joined by Serena Williams. You were in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue a couple of years ago. You feel like you're a sex symbol. <laughs> I'm just Serena, and that's all I can be. And whatever people think is. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm all, I feel honored that they might feel that way. Though. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop Dogg Football League has done so many wonders for myself, and not only me, but the kids and the volunteers and the parents and the people that have been associated with it. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have Division one. The face of women's soccer in the U.S. is Alex Morgan. Phenomenal moment. The semifinal game against Canada where you scored in the extra time. Everyone's thinking, how he's going to get to that. And, you know, it kind of fell directly to, to me into my head. And it was definitely the biggest goal of my career. Jim Caldwell in his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. He goes 14-2. His team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10-6. His uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2-14 and record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. <laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that are in it understand it. It's what have you done for me lately. At that particular year, we didn't win enough games, plain and simple. He's the one and only Darius Rucker. I love sports. I love all sports. I watch them all. I'm into the World Cup right now like everybody else is. But if to me, there's two times a year, the football season and waiting for football season. <laughs> right now, I'm waiting for football season.
season. I love it. Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. What about the success that you've had? Your maturing as an NBA player, as one of the young uh, superstars in the league. Oh uh, yeah, well, I'm just you know trying to get better every single day. We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. You know, hopefully we get to reach our goal one day. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real relevant radio. The others pretend. You're listening to the only sports talk show in America that actually cares what you've got to say. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. We continue the conversation with Pro Football Hall of Famer Lem Barney here on From the Press Box to Press Row as part of our HBCU Legend Series. Uh, of course, you mentioned Mel Far. I, I gotta, I gotta get to this story. This story is so fascinating, with the fact that, and wow, I didn't even know this that um, uh, the the late great Marvin Gaye uh, tried out. For the Lions, I think you and Mel uh, Far had something to do with that. Can you kind of – and you all had a great relationship, the three of you. Can you kind of take us back to, to that time and how he ended up getting that tryout? Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I had a chance to see my, my senior year at Jackson State, the Motown Review. Barry Gardner used to have the Motown Review. They would start off down in Ohio and from Ohio Pear Tree all the way up through Kentucky, all the way up through Mississippi, Alabama, then go west to Texas and everything. And I got a chance to see the Motown Review my junior year in college. They performed on our campus, and uh, this guy Marvin was unbelievable. And I said, I'd love to meet this guy sometime. And not, not, not knowing who was going to be drafting me in the draft of 67, Detroit Lions took me in the second round, and the first thing I could think about was, Motown. Right. And uh, Thanksgiving uh, was always the big thing for the Detroit Lions. They played every Thanksgiving against some team in the Central Division. So I got a chance to come up, and uh, I'm, I'm in training camp, my first week of training camp. Going into the second month, I said, uh, I'm going to try to find this guy, Marvin Gaye. And somebody told me that he played golf at a public golf course off Seven Mile in Woodward named Palmer Park. I penetrated down to Seven Mile in Woodward. I go into the pro shop, and I asked the, the pro there, had Marvin been on the course, or is he on the course nice? No, he hasn't been over today, but if you take Seven Mile down to Outer Drive, make a right on Outer Drive, make a left uh, on out, uh, off of uh, Outer Drive, you, you go down, you'll see his house. He's in the third house in the block. Go down, hit the doorbell, musical chime, bling, 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 bling. So I was getting ready to hit it again. The door opened. Who's standing in the door? Marvin Gaye. He said, yeah, what's happening, man? I said, yeah, Mr. Marvin Gaye? He said, yeah. I said, look, my name is Lynn Barney, man, and I just wanted to come by and tell you how much I appreciate you and what a great artist you are. He said, who'd you say you were? I said, Lynn Barney. He said, not the guy that played with the Lions. I said, yeah. He said, come on in, man. I said, you need to see some credentials. Or something. Said, no, come on in. Man. So then we started kicking it around, man, and he was just enthused about you're too small, he kept saying. Look, look at you. And Marvin was like about six three and a half, six four, and weighed about two twenty. And uh, he, he became a friend of Mel and I. And I mean, he would go to the games. And after the game, we'd go over to a Larco's restaurant 
uh, off of uh, Livernois, and it was a uh, it was it was a rule after playing games at Tiger Stadium. Coach Smith said, "Win, lose, or draw, we go in the Larkos after." So Marvin started coming, and some some of the temptations was coming. Smokey Robinson was coming, but Marvin was the main key, and he would sing, and everybody was so proud of him and everything. And then after being a, a, a Lion fan and going to the games for like about three years. He get on television uh, and talking to uh, Shirley Edom on national television and said he's going to try with the Detroit Lions. So <laughs> Coach Joe Schmidt called me and said, Lynn, what's this bit about Marvin saying he's going to try with the Lions? And Coach, I keep telling him he has to get a clearance from you. So he said, let me tell you what, bring him in uh, next week on Wednesday. And I just want to talk to him. You know, I've talked to him and met him at the – at the dinners and everything, so I called Marvin and said, Gator, I said, Coach Smith want to talk to you. He said, what? I said, Coach Smith. He said, this is it, Lim. This is I, said, I don't know if this is it, <laughs> but he told me to bring you by. He want to talk to you. So he said, all right, Lim, I'll be by to pick you up. He came by, Lemo picked me up. We go down to the Lions office off of Michigan Avenue, across from Tiger Stadium. And Coach said, uh, Marvin, I, I hear you, 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 you're going to try with the Detroit Lions. A lot of people say you you know, you're making it public. He said, Coach, I believe the first time I touch the football, I've been working out with Mel and Lamb, and I feel first time I touch the football, I'm going to score a touchdown. He said, oh, I, I love the attitude. He said, now what position have you been trying to? He said, well, Lamb them had me running wide receiver, fullback, and uh, playing some linebacker, too. He said, all right, Marvin. He said, tell me this. You have any film when you played in college? He held his head way down. He said, Coach, I didn't play in college. He said, okay. You have any uh, film from when you played in football? In high school, he held his head down again and said, Coach, I, I didn't play in high school. Coach stood up and said, what the heck make you think you can come on and play in the league? He said, Coach, I've been working out with Mel and Lamb, and I just feel the first time I touch the football, I'm going to score a touchdown. He said, I love your attitude, Marvin. He said, let me tell you what. Let me think about it, and I'll get back through to you through Lemmy, and we'll see what can happen. He said, he got up, and Coach stood up, and he gave Coach a big bear hug, and so... Coach called me about a week later and said, Lynn, we're going to have a little thing up in uh, Ann Arbor uh, with shoes and shorts. And i uh, got some other guys going to look at that tryout. So you bring him up. Uh, we have a two-day deal up there, and we'll see what happens. So I called him. He said, oh, Lim, this is it. This is us. I don't know if this is it, but I'm taking you up to <laughs> Ann Arbor. So we go up, and he tried him out at wide receiver, tried him out at tight end, and tried him out at fullback. And he was doing good because, I mean, you know, he'd been working out with Mel and I for a little over a year, and uh, he had the uh, stride and the the awareness and everything. But coach told him, he said, Marv, since you'd never played the game, I, I really wouldn't want to risk you going out there and uh, something happened to you seriously. I don't think I could live with myself. So he said, Coach, I really understand him, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to say that I tried out for the Detroit Lions. So, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so awesome. Uh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. So you so you said he was he was. I mean, because you said six three two twenty. I mean that's. I mean by yeah. that, by that standards, that was huge. That's great by today's standards. Absolutely, absolutely. And Jimmy David told him uh, up there. Jimmy David, who was the uh, defensive coordinator, who played with Joe Schmidt, you know, with the Lions. He told me, he said, I ought to try him out at uh, linebacker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby said, I don't want to play no linebacker. I don't play no defense, coach. So, anyway, it didn't work out, but he was pleased that at least he got an opportunity uh, to, to, to try out. And uh, I think he went on Johnny Carson and Shirley Eden had a column on him, and he was talking about how the Lions gave him an opportunity 
the trial. Uh, they didn't accept it, but at least he was happy for the trial. Wow. The great Lim Barney joins us here on the program. So now you you had a ch- you sung on the record, the big time record, his record, What's Going On, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. What, what was yeah. that like? Uh, it was a joy, I tell you, because we would go by his house and he would play it. And after uh, hearing it for at least about uh, 12 or 13 times by dropping in and out while he was still working on it, uh, both Mel, Mel and I, Mel Farr is on it also, we went by one day and uh, he said, I tell you what, you guys come go with me. I'm going over to the studio, Motown studio. I said, for what? He said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to record it. I want you guys to be background on it. I said, what? Yeah, come on, go wherever. So, so next time you hear it and you play it, you, you can hear the beginners comes up. Say, hey, brother, what's happening? Yes, Mel yes. Farr. I said, yeah, brother, like solid, right on. Mother, mother, everybody thinks you're wrong. And then we just do background uh, after we open it up like that. And I mean, it was a joy. And we end up both Mel and I getting gold records. For singing background with Marvin Gaye on what's going on. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, the one and only Lim Barty joined us here on the program, part of, of course, of our HBCU Legend series, which we uh, have rekindled today. And we're appreciative of Lim Barney being our first guest. A couple of more thoughts, and we appreciate the time. Now, you know, and, and this is the deal. Like, you know, it, it's. You know, we, we, we do a lot with HBCU sports here, but I learn something every day. And what I learned is not – you played at Jackson State for Rod Page, the former U.S. Secretary of Education, had no idea that he went to Jackson State. You know, can you talk about those times at Jackson State and playing for Rod Page? Yes, sir. Uh, very serious coach, uh, uh, a knowledgeable coach, uh, had the one, two, threes, the ABCs, and the XYZs for becoming a great coach. And um, he was very friendly, but he was sincere about his job. And um, he, he trained us that way as a coach. And uh, the late, great Bob Hill, who was offensive coordinator, uh, he played with the Baltimore coach. He just made his transition uh, a few months ago. He's gone on to glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a great coaching staff there, and we had some great players who ended up. That must have been to be about I could name I think about twelve guys that I played with during my tenure that ended up going to the professional ranks uh, from playing at Jackson State. But what a great coach he was! So. Wow, that is that is awesome. Great days, three time All American, great days, great football uh, at Jackson State and in the swag during that times the the middle to latter part of the sixties. Yes, sir, absolutely. It was a joy. I mean, and then the key to me uh, being as uh, honored as I was, it was uh, the, the Gramlins uh, with Eddie Robinson, Alcorns with, with the great coach. I mean, we had some great athletes in the SWAC that really wasn't recognized as, as they should have been across the planet. I mean, I tell you what, there were some great, great players and some wonderfully great coaches in the SWAC during the 50s and the early 60s all the way through the 80s. I mean, you know, Walter Payton. I mean, I mean, talking about people that came out and played great. Willie Richardson, the late great Willie Richardson, who played with the Baltimore coach. Um, uh, Speedy Duncan, Gloucester Richardson, which was Willie's brother, Thomas Richardson, Willie's brother, wide receiver and a uh, tight end also. 
So we had some great guys, Harold Jackson, Los Angeles Rams, John Outlaw to the Boston Patriots. I mean, it was just, you know, we had so many guys that left Jackson State and played professional football, and I mean, it was just a desire and the great coaching staff that we had while I attended Jackson State. Sure, and, and again, you played, uh, when you played some 40, 50 years ago, uh, football a lot different um, in 2013, you indicated that you thought that the, the football, the game would be gone uh, in 20 years. Do you Three years later, do you still feel that way? Well, I tell you, I, I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, because, you know, the game is it's, it's violent. It's, and guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster, quicker, and more intelligent. And uh, it's, it's, it's a tough game. And I mean, I, I wasn't trying to say anything negatively about the game. I was just saying the game, it's, it's a tough game. It really is. It's a tough game. Some guys have uh, gone on to glory from the hits that they had. And uh, I, I, and I don't want to get, get, get caught into a gram or anything, But and, and I said this and I still said, if, if the Lord gives me another chance to come back to the planet after he brings me home, it won't be football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, again, uh, Lim Barney, Pro Football Hall of Famer, of course, inducted in 1992, played his collegiate ball at Jackson State, 11 seasons, all with the Lions, 56 career interceptions, one of the greatest to ever do it. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Lim, we appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you very much. God bless you and your family and all your listeners, brother. Wow, what a treat. Lim Barney joining us here on From the Press Box. To press row as we rekindle our HBCU legend series. Had a lot to say there. Got a gold record for singing on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. We'll be right back. Men, you know there are a couple of myths that should be cleared away from your belief system. The first myth, women only look for tall, virile, handsome guys with money. The truth is, most women look for guys who know how to get results and save money, too. The second myth, you have to buy expensive drugs to regain your love life or defeat erectile dysfunction. The truth is, there is a product on the market made of seven herbs. It's all natural, costs less than $40, and helps 96% of men who try it regain erections that last, and many guys swear their 20s have returned. Alpha RX Plus works to defeat erectile dysfunction, has no reported side effects, and comes with a money-back guarantee. If you want to defeat erectile dysfunction and save money doing it, Alpha RX Plus should be a part of your belief system. Try Alpha RX Plus and then tell us what you think. AlphaRxPlus.com or call 800-860-1938. Alpha RX Plus. Kofi cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.koficards.com. That's www.koficards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi Cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi Cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. GMX, a redistribution company. 
BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches bowls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's talk some NBA playoffs on the program. Golden State and OKC tied at one game apiece. As Golden State able to even this series because of their uh, really dominating 118-91 victory over uh, the Thunder on Wednesday in Golden State in it, you know, you had a situation where for the Thunder, I mean, they they even had a one-point lead towards the latter part of the second quarter, and then Golden State sort of began to separate. They hadn't taken control, but they sort of began to separate themselves. They went on an 8 to nothing run to end the quarter, had an eight-point lead, and then, of course, we know the rest is history with Steph Curry, 15 straight points that really opened up the game and the victory for Golden State. You know, I I, I think and and coming into this series, I mean, I had Golden State uh, to win this in seven games. I I I I think OKC is in a little bit of trouble. But one of the things we got to remember is they were able to achieve their goal, not the ultimate goal. Obviously, the ultimate goal is to win two games, but they were, I mean, they were able to win a game on the road, and that is pretty big. I mean, now we can, you know, we can talk about how they won the game on the road. We can talk about the traveling call, which was a travel. I don't, I don't understand how in the world that Westbrook was not called for a travel, but, you know, I don't know. These guys, you know, in college, that would have been a travel. I I, I don't know why the the uh, statement that came out uh, from I guess the VP for officials of the NBA said that the nobody was in position. Three officials on the floor, and nobody was in position to make the call um, to really see it. Nonetheless, Oklahoma City did its job. They did its job, which was to get one game on the road. Now we go back to Game Three on Sunday in OKC. Um again, I still think I think I still think it comes down to a seven game series and I think Golden State ultimately wins this thing. I I, I think on Sunday um you know, listen, if we go back to the San Antonio series and again, San Antonio and Golden State two totally different teams. But what OKC was able to do they were able to get a split against San Antonio they go back to OKC for game three San Antonio wins that game and then of course OKC wins the next three games obviously I don't foresee that happening I think um, listen OKC got to make a lot of adjustments I mean if you look at the numbers for Kevin Durant 29 points in the game on 11 of 18 shooting the problem with Kevin Durant is almost every time you look around he's turning the ball over you know, he's trying to drive to the basket. 
the ball is getting poked away. He's making these passes, and that has really been a problem. Not It's been a problem throughout the course of the year, and one of the reasons that OKC throughout the course of the year had has had problems closing out games in fourth quarters. I mean, even if you look at the win, the win on Monday night, they barely won that one. I mean, lesser travel call, and there's no guarantee that Golden State is going to come down and, and tie the game up with a three-pointer. I mean, there's no guarantee there, but, I mean, listen, you know, I don't you – know, obviously, I don't count Curry or Thompson out. And one of the reasons, even though I still think it's going to go seven, I think Golden State's going to get the game on Sunday. Um, I, You know, you're not going to have too many situations where uh, Curry – and Thompson are going to miss like they did. I couldn't, you know, when I was looking at game one, I couldn't believe the number of, I couldn't believe how many times those guys were missing shots. And I mean shots that they typically hit. And that's the one thing about shooters. And, you know, yes, Curry can do some other things. I think Clay Thompson is more of a shooter, meaning how he scores his buckets is on more jump shots then Curry, uh, of course, Curry scores on a lot of jump shots, but he can do some other things to kind of get to the cold hole. Plus his range is, I mean, his range literally is 30 feet in. But OKC was fortunate that Thompson and Curry were both off, especially when it counted and allowed for OKC to kind of, you know, open up the lead and do some things. Uh, and, and again, and the other thing with that, and and, and boy, I, I tell you, Westbrook was phenomenal in that third quarter. We did have something like 19 points, and Durant was only 10 of 30 in the game, but he hit a big three-pointer down the stretch when it really counted. And that's what we've come to really expect from Kevin Durant. He's just, I mean, his skill set is just unbelievable. But OKC's going to have to try to figure out a way to – you know, you. I think you got to come up on Curry a little bit earlier. They let off of him, and and again, his range is thirty feet in. You know, you got to come up on that guy. You know, you gotta you gotta come hard off of those screens to get in both Thompson and Curry's face to prevent them from hitting those shots. Now, the ball movement again. I talked about this last week with Golden State. They are team personified. When you look at what they're able to do as a team with the screens that they set, the ball movement. Um, you know, role players doing doing their jobs. Harrison Barnes uh, at times. Iguodala, remember he was the MVP of the finals on last year. These guys really get down and dirty, and uh, you know are, are able to really help this team. I I I think there's going to be a split here. I think I think Golden State wins on Sunday, and OKC wins on Tuesday. We go back to um, Golden State with a two-to-two tie. Meanwhile, let's take a look at the series between Cleveland and Toronto. Cleveland certainly well in command of this series. Um, You know, I I don't know. I'm not sure that Toronto can win one game in Toronto. I, I, you know, I, I... at first, I thought before the series started, I thought it would be four to one. I thought Toronto would get a game. I don't think Toronto can get a game. And I mean, the way that Kyle Lowry is playing, I mean, he has been 
mostly bad throughout the playoffs. I mean, he had a couple of games where, you know, he was pretty solid. I think uh, when you look at game seven against Miami, I think he was pretty solid. And, and, and maybe even in game six, at least from a shoot, you know, he, he, he was 50 percent at least shooting in one of those games. But for the most part, he has been bad in the Indiana series, in the Miami series. I think it really I don't want to say hit rock bottom on Thursday, but if you hadn't heard about this, he right before halftime, he left the court. He just he just left. He was having so bad a game that he left. And, you know, his reasoning was that he had to get himself together. Now, I under you know, I, I get it. He's having a bad series and all of that. But listen, your team, you know, and I don't know why Kyle Lowry is struggling. I mean, you know, I, I would think a lot of it has to do with relying too much on jumpers. You got to take the ball. He's got to get a little bit more creative. He's got to be able to take the ball to the hole a little bit more, be able to see that shot go through. I know he didn't have him nor DeRozan had a free throw attempt in game one, but 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 uh, it's going to say these guys, but particularly Lowry's got to get a little more creative in terms of scoring the basketball and not relying on a jump shot. But to leave the court, to leave your team, um, you know, that that that's bad. I mean, I, I don't know how else to really what else to really say. I mean, that, you know, listen, you know, he's struggling. It's no doubt about it. But that's equivalent. You know, it's almost equivalent to him saying maybe, hey, coach, take me out of the game. I, I think you you because see now you've taken that decision out of the coach's hand and you've made the decision for yourself. And I think. You know, I listen. I think I think Dwayne Casey. You know, if if I go back to the, I think it was the Heat series. I think it may have been it was early in the series, and he was out of the game. I had come into the game in the middle of the game. He was out of the game because of foul trouble, but he was shooting so poorly. I thought Casey had taken him out of the game, and I think, you know, in, in a lot of respects, I think Casey needs to take him out if he's struggling. Let him see what's happening on the court and be able to to make the adjustments and then to come back into the game. Um, I just think that it was bad that he walked off the court in the rationale while, you know, you know, he's saying he's trying to get his his head together. It's just not this is professional sports. This is the highest level of professional sports. You don't just walk off the court uh, because you're you know, you're having a bad day, a bad game, a bad series, a bad two or three weeks. You don't just walk off the court. I think that was uh, uh, that that was bad as a professional, and hopefully we don't see that again. And hopefully he's going to come around because if he doesn't come around, Toronto has absolutely no shot. I, I think they probably would get swept anyway, but they have absolutely no shot if Kyle Lowry does not somehow come around. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Lim Barney for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Our HBCU Legends series continues next week as we'll be joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer Mel Blunt. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Mom, 
Some 